In today's show, it's a mock draft. 12 teams, 9 category, but it's a roto mock draft. Let's see how it goes. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore b-ball, on TikTok at redrock underscore b-ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's Jace, J-A-S-E, medical.com. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free. We are available on all platforms. So if you heard Roto and you didn't switch off, congratulations. If you think you're switching off, don't. Because so much of what happens in a Roto mock draft can be applied to a head-to-head mock draft. The difference here is that some the, the punting strategies are maybe less extreme. Um, but if you are against punting in head-to-head leagues, which I think you shouldn't be, but if you are, a Roto draft is exactly the same as a head-to-head draft in terms of team building. And Roto, and I'm going to talk to my guest on this, Dan Bespris, later on, but Roto doesn't mean you have to draft everyone that's balanced across the board. That's not how it works. So there's still a lot to take away from this, even if you are not one of the 5% of people that are in rotisserie leagues. So we're going to do a Roto Mock Draft. Now, in order to not interrupt the flow of a Mock Draft, I'm going to tell you today's episode sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. We all know that there are situations where sometimes we can't get the medication we need. We don't want that to be the case, whether it's a pandemic, a natural disaster, supply chain issues. We want to be able to treat ourselves when we might have life-threatening infections. And that's where Jace Medical comes in. Jace Medical, you go online, you fill out a form, you get your prescription life-saving medications delivered right to your door. It gives you peace of mind so that you're not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure that you have that medication in hand. You should always be empowered to care for yourself and your loved ones during the unexpected. They have their physicians online. It comes from licensed pharmacies in terms of delivering. Uh, You get your online evaluation as well. It is all stuff. So you've got it there. If you need it, in the worst case scenario, you don't have to be like, I can't leave my house to go get this medication that I need to prevent me from dying. Like that is basically what this is. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics. Why do I keep saying it with half an Australian, half an American accent? Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics. Antibiotics, that's it. With Jace Medical, plus an additional $20 off by using the code LOCKEDON at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's Jace, J-A-S-E, medical.com. The promo code is Locked On. Today's episode is also brought to you by Fangel. NFL season is here. Week one is in the books. Did your team win? Mine did. Hey, let's go. Dolphins are off and running, and Fangio gives you a fantastic way to get in on the action. They are America's number one sportsbook. New customers can bet $5, and you get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. But every customer who bets $5 gets $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. It's the best time to join Fangio. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from splits. No spreads to player props and more. So visit fangio.com slash locked on. Kick off the NFL season with an offer that you won't want to miss. Fangio is an official partner of the NFL and don't forget to gamble responsibly. All right, so we're going to go and do this Roto mock draft on Yahoo. 12 teams, 9 cat, Roto. Dan Bespris is going to come in, so we might as well get him in now. All right, here he is, the big fella. He's here, Daniel Bespris Jr. Welcome back to the show. Thank you, Josh. Thank you. And um, thank you for putting up with my nonsense off air. Also, my schedule is. You don't, um, you don't have to tell people um, that. Dan. You can just say, look, everything's gone 100% smooth <laughs> all the time. No one knows any of these things. It's all we're all good to go. We're here. We're ready. We're ready to talk fantasy. And I thought we're doing a roto draft. And yeah, you're one of the best people to get on to talk about that because you know it is your your passion. It is your raison d'etre, Dan, to, to talk roto. And one thing I just want to clear up before we head into the draft, because we're gonna get there in a second. 
I want to ask you this one question. In a roto draft, there is some people have, seem to have this idea that you have to draft players who are just balanced across the board. I think that is bullshit. How do you approach that? Yeah, no, I don't, I don't like if you try to draft every player who's balanced across the board, I, I have no idea what kind of team you're going to come up with because uh, those uh, players are typically gone. There's about 10 guys <laughs> that do it. Yeah, you're, you're not going to pick from many dudes after the second round. Um, no, not at all. My, my chief strategy in Roto is that, and I can get into this more, I think, as the draft kind of winds through, you can take more chances because you can make up for missed games later on. You're not punished indefinitely by a zero from one guy on one day in December the way that you are on the head-to-head side. So uh, for me, it's about chasing upside, whatever that means. Uh, if it's a balanced guy, great. If it's someone who's not as balanced, that also works. Um, you're building your team out the same way you would in head-to-head, maybe a little less likely to punt, but overall, you can't draft across the board, guys, in any format because, like you said, there's 10 of them. Correct. You can't do it. And it's just that it narrows your field down so much. Overall, you you want to be getting, say, nines across the board in roto categories to win, right? But you can do that by getting someone who's good in four categories and then getting another guy in the next round who's good in a different four categories and then getting another guy who's good in two of those first ones and two of those other ones. And overall, you bring all your numbers up to be balanced, but it doesn't mean that every player has to be average in every category or above average in every category. It's about getting things pushed together. You're not going and trying to win five categories. You're trying to be good in most of them. And that can be done in in so many different ways. We're going to head into the draft in a second, Dan. You're picking at four. I'm picking at five. So we're going to back to back here so we can take each other's players. Oh. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. We'll see how it goes. So we'll, uh, we'll get into that in just a second. We're ready to go. The draft is starting. We were talking other stuff. I got t- sidetracked. And now the screen has disappeared on my other end. Oh, Yahoo. The way that you do things to annoy me is frustrating. Um, you don't want a hot mic moment with me? That would have been great. No, nah, no, no hot mics here. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna trap you into that, Daniel. I'm just trying to get. Where's the, where's the bloody draft? Why isn't it coming up? Oh, this is so oh, frustrating. It. It's not coming up on my screen. Narrate- you know what? I'm gonna pause this thing again because Yahoo. Thank you for screwing it up again. Give me three minute pause, and then we'll come back in. Far out. All right, so I don't know what the hell happened there, but we are back, and we'll just head into the draft room. There's 1.30 until we resume. Let's look at what happened, Dan. We went Jokic at one, no surprise, and beat at two, no surprise. Doncic at three. So now it's you. You're sitting here. You've got the extra advantage of a pause. You're re- it's just so unfair that you're getting this advantage. What are you doing it for? Talk us through it, because you've got the one minute and 12 seconds here to, uh, to wait on it. Yeah, you know, it's just an extra couple of minutes for me to hem and haw between Halliburton and Shea. That's the two that I'm debating at this spot. And typically those guys are both on the board here because the Jokic, Embiid, Doncic top three is is pretty well locked in in a lot of drafts. Shea, you've got the advantage in scoring, in free throw number. Halliburton, you get the assist bounce. Both the, Both guys are good at steals. Both guys are strong at percentages. So it's really about how you want to start building out your team. Uh, the abundance of centers, I think, it, this year, it does seem like there's more. is probably going to make field goal percent a little easier, but that doesn't really help me decide in this one. It really comes down to whether or not I think coming back in the second, early in the third, late in the fourth, if I'm going to be able to grab a point guard there to shore up the assists if I passed on some of them now. Uh, so I probably end up going Halliburton here. I know the clock is about to go and and I'm back into it. Even if ultimately I think Shea might beat him in totals rank by one or two slots at the end of the year. I just, I think it's probably going to be easier to build a team around Halliburton than it is to build one around Shea. Uh, so I'm going to go Tyrese. And that makes it easier for me because I'll just take Shea there at that spot. But I agree. Like he might not finish here, but I don't really care that much. Like it's, it's fine if he doesn't shoot 92% from or 91% from the line again. Again, it's fine. We don't expect it. I don't think you should ever go into a season expecting someone to do outlier production two years in a row like that. Like, he can still be good, but we expect it to come down a little bit. I don't really think there's much of an issue with usage or anything like that. It's more just, hey, what if he doesn't maintain insane jumps in percentages? which I think is a, is a fair criticism. Tatum goes at six, which I think you'll find, Dan, happens in tons of um, roto leagues that he goes in that area. Yeah, and it makes sense. Uh, he's a guy who actually plays in basketball games, and you're 
you know, your other choice there is typically Steph in Roto, and he's getting older. Uh, fun as he may be to have, Steph probably does beat Tatum on a per-game basis. And in Roto, a lot of times you're hunting that, but with your first rounder, you really want someone you can count uh, count on to be on the floor as often as possible. It's it's not a spot where you want to try, start taking those injury risks just yet. What do you think of the fact that Giannis just went at pick number nine? So it did go Tatum six, Durant seven. In a Roto league, I, I don't mind Durant going at seven at all. As you say, like you've got the extended bench with the games cap. You can substitute guys in. He's got pretty high up. So I don't hate him there. I don't love it. Steph at eight, but then Giannis at nine. That's going to be the controversial one. What do you think of that? Uh, to me, it's not that controversial uh, because if you're drafting Giannis in the first round, you've locked yourself into a particular build. And in that particular build, he's a first round draft pick. My fear with Giannis actually isn't the free throw thing. It's that his games played number has been mm -hmm. going down steadily for about three years in a row. I, I think he has a rep of being really durable and I don't know that that's earned anymore. I think the team prefers that he take those games off. So he might be a slightly larger injury risk than folks are, are giving him credit for. But, you know, on the free throw thing, that's not the way I like to start my Roto team. But at the end of the first round, you aren't, your choices aren't that great. So if that's the direction you go, it's not the end of the world. And you just build around it. Um, yeah, look, he's, he's not touching 70 games. His knee's screwed. It's, it's like Kawhi's knee, really. Yep. It's, it's bad. He's never playing those games. So the, the free throw stuff also, not last year before, he shot 72%. Like he's not guaranteed to shoot 64%. And I did a study on this the other day. It's coming out to my pick. That if your team shoots 83% across the board, right? So you've got all these good, good players and you add him to it, your team shoots 80. And that's still like six or seven roto points, right? That's totally okay. So there is a, an idea out there that if you have Giannis, you automatically lose free throws with those head-to-head -head roto. And it's just not true. Like you, you can actually build around that. Even if you have an average team in free throws and Yahoo and Giannis is added to it, well, you know, maybe you're 77%, which is, again, is not the end of the world. Like you can actually make it so that you're not getting ones in that category in a roto situation. You don't have to, but you can make it that way. <laughs> yeah, you can. I think I probably would at that point, just take the one. It'd be easier to build the team because that, that, that's true. Once you have him, you're like trying to avoid any center that isn't good at, at free throw shooting. And so you, my pick. you squeeze yourself into a weird spot. Um, I, I'm probably not going Giannis first round in Roto. I'd rather go someone like AD or Kyrie at that spot or maybe even Dame. But some of these guys going off the board, I think people can probably see that um, where you don't necessarily lock yourself into that particular build. But if that's the direction you're going and if you can pull off the punt, you got to be good to do it in Roto uh, and get enough points in the other ones. But it can certainly be done. I'm going to do this because I want you to talk about it. I'm at pick 20 here. I'm taking Kawhi. What do you, like, <laughs> he's, he's obviously much better than this on a per-game yeah, basis. I, he's going to miss some games with back-to-backs. He had knee surgery again on his meniscus. Um, but you, we don't have to worry about fantasy playoffs and him missing some time with that schedule. Um, I'm also, I'm not doing this because of the rules the NBA brought out as Dan makes his selection here. And we'll, talk about both of our picks in a second those rules which i don't think are gonna anything i think it's going to impact is maybe the way that teams did it the last couple of years where you know in the last two to three weeks of the season when players are shut down with fake injuries that's more of the issue of, with those rules i think is important but everyone else who basically sat games was doing it because of injury if you read those things there's all these caveats as to how they get away not again get away with it like Kawhi was is coming off knee surgery so he is going to sit back to backs it is going to happen but in this spot dan We'll get back after you picked Mikhail Bridges. Um, I'm fine with taking him. Look, I wouldn't have taken Durant in round one and Kawhi in round two, but given the fact that maybe he plays 60, maybe, um, I can substitute my bench in. Again, in, in Roto League, Dan, we're not talking about getting a waiver wire guy in to replace him. We're talking about getting my 11th player to replace him, not a mm -hmm. guy that's the 170th best guy. The 11th guy on your roster replaces him in your lineup. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and you have someone in the first round that's, younger useful you can take a shot like that um the the nice thing about guys like Kawhi is in in a lot of leagues and a lot of drafts it's back to you they by do the way. Fall. and it is back to me all right i gotta get back on the clock here what am i doing at 28 well uh there's a couple of guys that i didn't think would still be on the board here actually i was all ready to go take a shot on like a jimmy butler and and do that well you know what let's do the jimmy butler thing actually because it's he sort of falls into that same Kawhi mold a very good per game player who's likely mm. to miss a bunch of ball games. Dame coming to town, a wrinkle. Um, 
I have two very durable players, I believe, in my first two picks, so I can take a little bit of a shot on this one. If I had a uh, an injury risk in my first two, I'm probably going Desmond Bain here, but I don't, so Jimmy Butler. While I make my pick, what do you make of Bam Adebayo going ahead of Jimmy Butler? Is that what happened? Yeah, oh, he, he went at 25. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I do need to go back and recap all of these picks because... Yeah, I haven't. Um, but yeah, he went. Uh, he went ahead. I I really just don't agree with that at all. I'm gonna no. I'm gonna no. take Fred VanVleet here. I think Fred VanVleet at pick 27 is good value. And then I am gonna recap all these. Actually, I'll do it now. Then we'll get back to that. All right. So after you took Tyrese at four, that's how far back we gotta go. Shea goes at five. Tatum six. Durant seven. Steph eight. Giannis nine. Lamelo ten. Kyrie eleven. Anthony Davis twelve. Lillard thirteen. Booker fourteen. Don Mitchell fifteen. Sabonis sixteen. Anthony Edwards seventeen. Jaron Jackson eighteen. Trey Young nineteen. Kawhi twenty. Mikael Bridges twenty one. Towns twenty two. LeBron twenty three. Siakam twenty four. Adebayo twenty five. Harden twenty six. Cunningham twenty seven. Jimmy Butler twenty eight. Van Vliet twenty nine. Paul George goes at number thirty. So yeah, what do you make of Bam going ahead of Jimmy? Because I don't, I don't think that's the correct move. Because if Lillard no. comes, the guy who is losing, I believe is Bam. And Bam actually, for the last, I think, 40 games of last season, averaged like under eight rebounds a game last season. And that's dropped down. He plays more minutes with Kevin Love, a pretty good rebounder. I don't know where Bam's going to be this season. I'm a little worried. Yeah, this was uh, real early. He's been going more in the 35 range in most of the drafts I've watched. So to see him go at the front end of the second round, and again, this this big... This abundance of centers, I don't think that you have to go get a guy like that. I, no. I think Miles Turner's still on the board right now. I don't, yes. Has he not come off yet? He's there. there are Claxton's great, there. great centers. Yeah. yeah, you got Claxton. You've got uh, a host of them. I've switched over, and I'm looking at the the draft board in, instead of the remaining names list right now. But uh, And this is a team that has Jokic already. So mm. uh, if I'm taking a center there, I probably want one that's blocking shots, not one that's another steals-based center. So I, yeah, I, and Jimmy Butler, like we're talking about a guy that's that's a first rounder per game. Bam was third round per game last year. I Roto, you got to be chasing anybody you think can get inside that top 18 per game, wherever they fall to you, pretty much, because that you make up for those zeros, like you were talking about. You throw your 11th best player in, or you pick up. Uh, uh, an injury replacement guy who might be a top 70, 80, 90 type of dude, you fill that slot. You don't need the quiet plotters. You want to try to catch lightning in a bottle. And the beauty part of Roto is that if your guy doesn't play in, if you want him to play 64 and he plays in 58, it doesn't break your team's back the way that it does in certain head-to-head leagues. This is something that gets thrown out a lot. Is I think a lot of people think that Roto League is that you want the boring plotters, but it's literally the same strategy as head-to-head league. Like The way that you win is by getting guys who jump 20, 30 spots, 50 spots, if you're getting them in round nine, in terms of their overall value. That, that's how you win. It's not being, I'm just going to be slow. I'm going to be steady. I'm going to get the guy who doesn't hurt me anywhere. That's not how it works. Like That's not how you win. You might think that you look like you're going to win on draft day doing that, and that's probably true. But overall, like you you got to hit upside at times. And yeah, at times, upside can be because someone fell 30 spots more than you think they should have, that still is upside. If you get, I'm going to use an example you'd love to use, Dan, is that Chris Paul will would always fall 20, 30 spots. Right? He might not have upside to go into the top 10, but if you get him at 50 and you think he's going to hit 30, well, that is upside, even though it's you know you think that he's fallen too far based on where he should produce. That is still 20 spots of upside based on the, the spot that you got him. Yep, and I don't care that he's probably going to miss 20 games. I don't mind. I'll fill in those 20 games with somebody I pick up off the wire who's hot for two weeks and just do that repeatedly for all of these guys. Now, you can't have an entire team that's all missing 20 games or you'll fall too far no. behind if the team's played column, but these are the shots that Roto allows you to take that on the head-to-head side, I don't think that I'd feel as confident. And something that I like to say uh, on my own show is in Roto, I, I don't, need any 100 range guys on my team basically even if they're playing in all 82 games that's a guy that might have value in a 12 team head-to-head league because they're out there they're giving you stats every day all season long and and you use use all 13 players as well like you use everybody in a head-to-head league right so roto give me the the top 60 guy who's playing 60 games over the top 90 whatever guy who's playing 80 games even by totals the 90 guy actually wins at the end of the year but in Roto, you cover that gap with 20-some-odd games of a top 100 dude, and all together, that aggregate, 60 games of top 60 plus 22 games of 
top 100 or whatever is better than 82 games of a top 90 guy. So you want those dudes that can jump, even if they might miss a few ball games with some exceptions, top of the draft. You don't really want a first rounder. Who's going to miss half the season that can, that pretty much breaks your back. But otherwise I love that aspect of Roto. I love that it, it opens the board up to these players that you might think are risky. You get to take them and it's okay. That's fun to me. Because oh. I'm a boring old man, so I need hey, my fun. No, you, you want you want to get guys who are good. Oh, we're, we're talking a lot of strategy here. It's my pick in a second. Um, well, it's my pick right now. So I'm going to go and make that pick, and then I'm going to recap stuff while you make your pick, and I'll have a look who's available. But there is a lot of strategy stuff that is important to talk about here. As I have a look, who's I probably do need some blocks on my team. Um, oh I'm, yeah, same. I yeah. <laughs> so what do I do here? Hmm. I reckon I'm. I've got. There's a few Black names there. Cats. There's a few names there. Um, do I feel? I'm look. I'm not. I'm going to do this just because I want to prove, not prove something. I'm going to take Walker Kessler here. I don't really love him in this area. I, I'm going to be honest. Like I, I'm probably. I'm going a little early, but because I built up three insanely high free throw percentage players, some of that deficit that he has, or that that he has in that category is doesn't doesn't hurt me at all. All my other guys are probably 88 percent players. So. This is where the board changes a ton, and you can sort of like. In other cases, I wouldn't want to take him necessarily in this spot. There are other guys I look at, but I also did want to make sure I grab some blocks, which I did here. I could have gone with a Chet Honger in that spot, but this is again. I probably wouldn't take Walker Kessler if this was a a competitive sort of situation. But I just wanted to take him just to illustrate that you know my my free throws now projected out at about eighty four percent. That's still really good in Roto, even though he's a fifty percent shooter from the line. Dan, you took Drew Holiday. I'm going to recap some picks and I'll go back to some strategy in a second. Why, after Van Vliet, it went Paul George, Des Bain, Markin and Fox, Wembenyama, Jalen Brown, Vooch at the end of round three, then Garland, Porzingis, Mobley, Miles Turner, Brunson, DeJounte Murray, DeMar DeRozan. I feel like DeRozan's a bit high. Kessler, probably a bit high. Drew Holiday, Ojin Anobi, Chet Ongren. I really like that pick there as we get to the end of round four. Now, one thing you said about you want these top 100 guys and... We look at you know, hitting, streaming for upside and these boring later round guys that don't look that important. I'll say this and I'll keep saying it. The value of guys towards the end of a draft, these guys are all the same. Like So many of them are the same, Dan. And when you do an auction draft, the last 40 guys go for a dollar. But we look in a head-to-head draft in a round. Well, a round 11 guy is way better than a round 13 guy. And that's not true. Like they're all, the, they're all the same. These guys, there's not that much difference between them that we want to shoot for that upside. Like who can be a top 80 player in this group? Who is Harrison Barnes has got no chance at it? Like who no can chance. who can hit that number? That's the guy you want because a they'll sit on your bench if, or you drop them, but you want to hit that that value. You don't want to be looking at this ordinal difference between player 130 and 160 because the difference is actually not it's not that big. Oh, a hundred percent. I would much prefer to take a shot at the end of a draft on uh, a low probability hit mm-hmm. because Have dropping to. that guy is actually. Uh, better for your team than hanging on to like a top 125 guy who plays every day. I don't, I don't need that player. That player is useless to me. I'd rather have that slot being used to rotate bodies uh, for, again, hot injury replacement types or whatever. Or maybe you luck into somebody that didn't people didn't see coming into the draft. And I guess I got to make another pick here. But yeah, I mean, Harrison Barnes is such a nice example. He'll probably play 75 games this year and he'll be basically worthless to a 12 team roto league because there's no upside at all some interesting and i need a center interesting <laughs> picks here yeah look I, and i need assist in my next pick so og and obi chet hong and jamal murray rounds out round four levine at the start of round five zion goes at pick 50 and scotty barnes at 51 and they are they're aggressively high picks i would think even more so for a for a roto format um curious curious to see them go in that spot and once you make your pick and then i'll focus on mine i'd love to hear your thought claxton was who one of the guys i was debating when i took kessler all right so what do you make of barnes and williamson going 50 and 51 as i am going to make a decision here i think i'm gonna take bradley beal yeah i'll take bradley beal there yeah so uh, i'm not a big scotty barnes guy um i don't want to like disparage a player i just i I haven't seen that next level leap yet and historically I'm well, this is part of, I think what makes me sort of a boring fantasy analyst is that I much prefer to take guys where I have a pretty good feeling for what they're going to be in a coming season, as opposed to kind of what we hope they'll be. Um, so Barnes, I just, he's just not a guy that's even really on my radar. 
Zion is a little bit on my radar because we've seen him fall as far as 80 in some drafts. And I know he might play 12 games, but if you can get him at 80, uh, that might be worth the shot. But here at the beginning of the fifth, there's just too many. Uh, I don't want to call them sure things because nobody's a sure thing, but there's some pretty damn close to sure things still on the board. And Zion is definitely not that. So the, this is too early for me to to take that plunge. And, and you'll see all the names that are coming off here. Uh, Levine was right before him. You got Beal, Aiton. There goes Ingram, who I also don't trust to stay upright. But just guys that you know are going to chug along. And there's still like 20 to 25 more of them before I would say, oh, I'm going to take this guy that's shown me nothing to indicate he's ready to play an entire season of basketball. Yeah. It's, I, I'm big on Zion's ability to dominate when he plays, but at this point, the, the risk is, is pretty large. And I think that it is just a little bit too early. And yeah, like you, like once he's at 70, 80, do it. Like who cares? Like that's where you really start to grab some yeah. some value on him. Um, after I took Beal at 53, 8 and 54, Ingram 55, Giddy 56, Jalen Williams 57. There's a lot of guys here who are getting passed up that I would have preferred. One thing, again, I... I I want to hark back to my Kessler pick because he is going in this range. I would not take him in this range as a usual thing, but I was looking for blocks. So I grabbed him, but I wanted to illustrate that what he does now is he makes my team very hard to compete in points compared to everyone else. Cause he, ever, like he might average 12, 13 points per game. He hurts my free throws. He gets no steals and he doesn't hit any threes or get assists and taking him in that area. When assists are starting to come off the board, it, it does overall hurt. Like, even though he's got, wow, look, he's, look, he's going to get these big blocks and these big field goals. And that is all true. But I think the handicap that he provides onto your team is is too much. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to try my best here to work out of it as, a, again, sort of a, a strategical move to show, I think maybe it's going too high in that area. I just think that those deficits he provides are too hard to find later on. I don't hate that you did it because you didn't have any other bigs. That's sort of the one caveat there. It's like you really did need a someone who was very good at the traditional big man stuff. So you got that. The, the problem but, is with yeah. that, Dan, is that like I can get Gafford at 100 or Mark Williams at 90 or Jalen yeah, Duran at 110, and while they probably won't do the same thing as Kessler, but if I get two of those guys in round 10 and 11... Like, yeah, I can't, why, why, why can't why can't they do? Like, yeah, I could have even taken Chet there, but Kessler's going off the board behind before all of these guys, and I, I just I, there I, goes I, one. I don't actually. agree with it. Yeah, look, yeah, you're right. Middleton goes fifty nine here. Let's just go through these ones. Williams fifty seven. That's Jalen Williams. Franz Wagner fifty eight. Middleton fifty nine. Jordan Poole sixty. Gobert sixty one. Again, I did want to highlight Kessler because he is the highest ranked second-year player on Yahoo's rank board for this season. He's got the Ooh. highest ADP of all second-year players as well. And I think he just, he really does push you into a, a a build of a team that might might struggle at times to have that level of success that I reckon you want. And I'm going to work really furiously to get out of it, but I, I wanted to sort of highlight where what what it can do and, and the, the struggles of him having big peaks, but also gigantic valleys can create... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I sort of did the same thing with Claxton. I just felt like it was time to get one center on the roster. And I guess this, I think you set this Roto draft up to have only one center instead I of did. two. I, so I probably should have looked at that. Um, but there are, and I don't want to like give everything away if, uh, to folks that are watching the draft in real time, but there goes Jared Allen. He's another one that we... we oh, no, no one's watching, no one's watching in real time. This is, uh, it's not live, so oh, we're good. Okay. Got it. Uh, so you still got Brooke Lopez out there who can block shots. You've got Capella who can block shots. I'm not a big fan of Clint because you got Okongwu coming in, but mm. that's another name that's on the board. Jakob Pertle, Mitchell Robinson are deeper down the center list. So they're just, they're like two or three of these guys that pop up every round where if you really wanted to, you could probably put off drafting your first center until the fifth or sixth round. And it wouldn't, I, that's what I did here with Claxton, but sixth round, you could still get two decent ones. And like thinking back to last year, Walker Kessler went on a, a pretty amazing run at the end of the year where he was, you know, in that top 30 range. But I hate to throw this out there, but so did Jakob Pertle. And Mitchell Robinson was in the 50s for most of last year. So there's not that big of a gap there, but you can draft those guys 50, 40-ish, maybe 40, 50 slots deeper. Maybe that's the path. The issue there is what if somebody takes those guys and you've been sitting and waiting on them, you sort of force yourself to then take one of those late centers a little early. How do you balance that? I think you and I are still in okay shape here, even taking low scoring centers in the fourth or fifth. There, there are some options that can kind of 
feel you back in the direction you want to go. And actually, I think you're on the clock now. Yeah, look, the two guys I was looking at were Maxi and Bunkero, and they both just went in those kicks. <laughs> Bye-bye. So I'm not going to do that, quite obviously. Um, but what I do need is I do need to start getting some scoring. Um, Jeremy Grant's going to have a pretty sizable... Well, he's going to believe that he deserves a pretty sizable scoring load. So he's going to do it. Um, the other one, I the other one who is going to score and do a lot in categories that I need a little bit of, which is points, rebounds, assists, is Julius Randle. And yeah, those are his three. Uh, there we go. I'll take him because again, I've got a nice little free throw buffer. My field goals are okay. Um, he's going to score twenty plus pretty comfortably, I would guess. And let's say a lot of the other guys going. This is where again you have to be careful with your scoring with the Kessler example, but. There'll be times in this area of the draft foot down where people start to go for some of the lower scoring players. Jared Allen. Yeah, Cam Johnson might be a high scoring player. He might not be. But some of these lower scoring guys start to go off the board. A lot of those reserve centers, like your Chris Pauls as well, Marcus Smarts will start to go at some point. And that brings everyone else's scoring numbers down. And if you can get a few higher scoring guys who are around here, if you've dealt with some of their negatives earlier on, it is you, you are able to uh, attack it. But because I did get Kessler, my points are in the toilet in this league. I need to get some higher scoring guys <laughs> to make myself at least marginally competitive. I can't be like getting ones in points and ones in assists, which is part of the reason that Kessler drags you right down in those areas. And then I went old, which is, shouldn't surprise anybody. The question was, which old was I going to go with? And I just decided to pair Brooke Lopez with Nick Claxton as my two centers and kind of clean up the blocks category. Uh, my team could probably use a bit of rebounding assistance because Brooke Lopez doesn't do that. I also don't think he's going to have another top 25 year, but I don't need top 25 because I just took him at 70. I'd be perfectly satisfied with 50 or 60 range. And then the other question for me was, would these other guys I'm looking at get back to me eight or nine picks later? So far, the answer is not entirely, <laughs> but we'll see. Um. How, what do you, well, Jeremy Grant just went, who was someone I was looking at. So after yeah. I took Randall, it was Brooke Lopez, Ja Morant, Chris Paul, Jeremy Grant, Tyler here. I think it's a really good spot for Ja Morant in a Roto League as well. Um, even though he's not the greatest category league player, again, getting points and assists at this point in the draft, there's no one who does it at that level. And you've got an ability to sit him down. Tyler Hero, Clint Capella. What do you think of the coaching change in Milwaukee? Does, is there a chance that there is a different scheme that maybe impacts Brooks' insane block numbers? Um, yeah, I mean, maybe not two and a half. And now I think I'm back on the clock here. Yes. I, I'm, I feel pretty good about just his blocks overall. And last year was, uh, he was a monster again. I, I can't possibly assume that that type of thing is going to happen again. I, I'd be perfectly satisfied with a slight erosion in everything. Um, but historically he's been a very good shot blocker and, and I'm not that worried that someone is going to go take his place. Cause that team was markedly better when he's around versus when they were running whatever it was, Bobby Portis at center. And who the heck am I going to take here? Because I just took a bunch of centers, and now I'm looking at a bunch of centers as the options for me. Yes, I'm. <laughs> uh, uh-oh, I'm running out of time. This is going to get ugly real quick. Oh, crud. Panic pick. <laughs> That's not what I want. Um, I, I would expect... I would expect that his shooting numbers increase from last season, but his assists go down. There are a lot of people who uh, you know, fluffing rookies a lot that will think that he gets benched so that they can start Brandon Miller. And I'd just like to say, have you seen Stephen Clifford coach ever? Because that's... <laughs> yeah, that's not what I'm worried about. Literally, I just... literally ever. Like, he, that, that's just not going to happen. Um, but... I should, have done, I should have done something saucier. I, I, I have got a deficit in assists still. And I do need to work mm. on them. So the options are, are slim. So I am going to take... I'm going to take Michael Fultz there. Yeah, that was there's kind not, of the other guy I was looking at too. Like there's, yeah. there's the Joneses, but I don't feel super secure about what they're going to do. Like I think Tyus is going to start, but I also think Jordan Poole is going to run a lot of point guard. And I think Trey is going to start, but I don't know that he does. He might, but I don't know that he yeah. does because someone's going to come off the bench there. Is it Sohan? Is it Keldon? Is it Trey? One of those three is coming off the bench. And I don't know who it is. I don't. Uh, I I don't have a ton of confidence in Trey. I would. I I like Tyus. Um, honestly, if if he gets back to me, I I would consider him. I pretty probably. I probably would around that area too. But, <laughs> yeah, you're gonna take him first. <laughs> uh, oh well, I don't. Oh, maybe. Um, but my, my thing is with him is that he's there. He's a he's an older player. He's an unrestricted free agent. Jordan Poole can run point as well. Dylan Wright is still there. Johnny Davis probably needs minutes. So. It's, I think Tyus does start, but I also don't think that 
he's replicating the starting numbers that he put up in Memphis. It's a very different scenario. Him starting in Memphis, replacing the high usage guy versus starting in Washington next to the high usage guy. It's a very different scenario. Wow, we got some relatively early names here. Kuzma, Mark Williams, Miles Bridges, 78 yeah. through 80. Mark Williams was at the top of my board here, actually. So I've, I've, I'm pretty excited about what he's going to bring. Um, I'm not really worried about Nick Richards taking minutes or anything like that. So he was at the top of my board. I was hoping to get him back around. Well, so you're, you're not as big on uh, the big fellow there in Charlotte? Yeah, I thought um, it was a little sad that he... Not, I wasn't sad that he popped off late last year. I just was kind of hoping that he would stay a little bit more under the radar. Um, I, I do think there's a shot that they run more PJ at the five small lineups, but they ran we'll they ran none of it last year, really, did they? Yeah, it just, Not a it ton. just didn't happen. It was Plumley, Williams, Richards, and even yeah. even even Kai Jones at center. Like, I don't think we. Saw, but and again, that was Gordon Haywood missing a lot of time and no Miles Bridges. Yeah, but, no Lamelo, so everybody sort of slid down to but, cover ball. I actually like Terry Ozier a lot more fantasy wise as the shooting guard. He 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 was he was kind of awful as the point guard on that team last oh, yeah, year. He's, he's bad as a point guard. There's, there's, I don't think there's any questioning about that. The Charlotte one is interesting because Ubre's not there, and so Miller comes in and replaces him. Bridges is also there. I does Steve Clifford traditional style Steve Clifford like PJ as a six foot eight center? I don't know. I don't know if he does. So, yeah. but it, and even if he does, like I, I think the guy that loses out there is probably Nick Richards versus Mark Williams. So, right. like instead of Nick playing twenty minutes as a backup, he might play fourteen, and PJ gets six small ball minutes there. And oh, a lot of guys that I want this one off. All right, so let's go through them: Derek White, Michael Porter, Tobias Harris, eighty-three, Simon's eighty-four. Oh, that's interesting. Rob Williams, eighty-five, Dan Gafford, eighty-six. There we go. Austin Reeves, yeah. eighty-seven. Gafford is insanely ranked uh, on Yahoo. Um, I'm glad that he was able to get picked there. Not for the I wanted him, but he's ranked at 100, which doesn't make a ton of sense. There are I've got quite a few interesting players at the top of my board here. Maybe I do take Tyus Jones down when we get back around to it. <laughs> I know it's getting close to you, um, but I'm into a spot where I'm looking at my position eligibilities, and I hate how this happens on Yahoo. They've slotted Kawhi in as my shooting guard. Like, bro, can you just move him across to the small forward? So yeah, um, so. What? What are we doing here? I, I, please, like, I, I don't need to know that I... I don't need to look at this and go, yeah, I really need a small forward. I've got one. He's sitting in my shooting guard slot. That said, I still need another forward because Beal isn't forward eligible at this point, but we need to get another forward soon, but we can get that later. Um, yeah, this, that thing is insane because I would very, I could very easily move Mikael Bridges to small forward and Jimmy Butler to power forward on my board. I don't need a power forward right now. Um, John Collins. Well, John Collins at 89. Far out. That is not... Expected. Wendell Carter goes at ninety. What are you thinking for Johnny? How how are you viewing that pick? Because I'm not sure how I'm viewing that pick at the moment. Not not highly. Uh, I don't know that much. I probably was looking at him in the ninth if he got back to me. I just feel like a change of scenery is going to be really good for him. Getting off the trade block for the first time and checks calendar like half a decade. Mm. Uh, that's just. I think there's going to be a little bit of a of a revitalization of him. Just getting out from the Atlanta mess. Um, and he's a good percentages guy. It's pretty easy to have a nice rank when you're good at both percentages. And then, you know, beyond that, if he doesn't pan out, I think we're deep enough into a draft now where it doesn't really kill you to start taking a couple of shots, even if there are some safer names still on the board. Certainly in this round. Ooh, nice one. Yeah, look, I just, I could have taken Tyus and maybe I'll, maybe you'll take him here. But I think mm. a Kongwu here at 92 after Jabari Smith goes at 91, I don't think that they're going to just outright replace Capella, but I do think we are going to get a little a little closer to a minute split than we've ever had in the past. But it is worth mentioning as you make your pick down. I've mentioned this plenty of times. But this might be someone's first show. When Quinn Snyder took over, Nick Okongwu's minutes went down. They didn't go up. He didn't yeah. prefer him. They went down. He played like 20 a night instead of 23. He performed better, but he played less. And that is important to know. So we'll Man, see. I we'll see what happens. I got two guys that I want. Well, time's down. Three seconds. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. You're not. I threw one into the queue. Ooh. All right. Oh, he did, did it. He did go tie us. He did tie us. He did tie us. Um, I did tie us. I think he'll beat. I think he'll beat 93. Kind of with his eyes closed. I don't know by how much. I think that'll come down to like what you talked about. What direction do the Wizards go as the season progresses? But he's gonna most likely run things uh, and set things up at the very least. Um, let's see if the other guy I was eyeballing get, gets back to me at 100. I'm just taking our faces off the screen now so people can see the rest of the picks. Um, they don't need to 
my face. They don't need to see anyone's face here, do they? Tyus goes 93. Duran goes 94. Ooh, he was in my queue. McCullum, 95. Wiggins, 96. All right, let's do a little bit more roto strategy stuff, Dan. How important is it to make sure you have all 10 starting spots filled in the first 10 rounds? Not that important. Um, I don't think that I would take someone I'm sitting on before the the seventh kind of range. Um that's probably about where I'd consider it. But that, again, that's one of those things you can also get away with. I still, by and large, don't like stashing because I know other guys on my team are going to get hurt. I would rather take a shot on an injury-prone prone player who's healthy to start the year. But if you're relatively safe in what you're doing up to whatever juncture that is, then you could do the the sort of squat method, squat on somebody. Um, you certainly don't need to do 10. The squat method, Dan, that sounds like something you should be keeping... <laughs> Keeping private you got, between you and it's Mrs. really Bezbris. good for your quads. Yeah, it's really good for your fantasy quads. Ooh. Um, okay. So, ooh. Okay. You're, you're making your pick. Keegan Murray, 98. Jalen Green, 99. They were both in my queue, which only has four players on it, down to two. It is your pick. Um, I also don't love Buddy Heal there at 97. So, what are, you, what, what are we looking I'm at here? Old. We're, we're round I nine. I am going old. Okay. Very old. Mike here. Conley. But it's, <laughs> yeah, well, well, we got a little bit of room there. Um, I'm going clay. I know he's slower than he was, but once he got his legs underneath him, he sort of coasted along at that 60 range for most of the year. Um, I'm not that worried about what Chris Paul is going to do to him because clay's about spacing the floor shots. Could they go down? Yeah, a little bit. Um, I don't know. It felt like last year was kind of one of the poorer case scenarios for him. Wiggins being out helped, but I don't think that was the big reason. And at 100, I'll take this shot. I don't care if he sits a bunch of ball games. I'm going to take advantage of Yahoo's position eligibility snafu, and I'm going to put Zach Collins into a forward slot here. Um, oh, hey. I needed a forward. He was like a top 50-ish player after the Pirtle trade. He's going to start. He is going to start. He's probably not going to do the same things. He's not going to grab as many boards or get as many blocks. But you talked with the other Collins, Johnny, about a big man who can be a good free throw and field goal guy. And that's what this is. This is exactly what this is. And yeah, he does a lot of other good things as well. And I like getting him there. That's pretty good. And the pick after that yeah. was uh, Scoot Henderson, who was the other guy in my queue. So that was my four-man queue wiped out in four picks. Thanks for that. <laughs> well, we're all doing our best for you on that one. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think we all saw the video of Victor Wembanyama doing stretches. The, what, what the I fuck took was away. that? That was, that yeah. was crazy. That was um, kind of gross to watch a little bit. But at the same time, my thought was, this dude is so narrow, like narrower than I even realized before. Yeah, you got to um, see him in person, Dan. Like I was obviously, I was down next to him in Vegas. It's it's crazy how big how big and skinny he is. It's actually insane. Like I've seen, I've been up close next to like Brandon Ingram, who's probably the skinniest bloke I've seen in person. But like Victor's a, a, probably another level to that. Yeah, and so that makes me very, very nervous about what an entire NBA season is going to look like for that dude. So another reason to like Zach Collins, because you know Victor's getting days off, and you don't need to play in 65 games to win Rookie of the Year. They don't need to get him to that threshold. Sorry, what? When did that? I didn't say that. Is that true? So that That is true. I was in the Bobby Marks article earlier today. I didn't know that either. Why? Um, why, that, why is that exempt? I don't know the two rookie ones, the all rookie team and rookie of the year. You don't have to get to 65 games. I, I learned I, it earlier today. I get the all rookie team one because you might not have 10 guys who play that many. Like sometimes there's just a shit bunch of rookies. Um, but rookie of the year, that's interesting. Okay. All right. That's the, yeah, yeah. yeah he's he's, uh, he's going to sit games. I, I saw the stretching <laughs> video and I became, I actually became less worried about him from an injury perspective because he looks like a spider. He looks like that no matter where he goes, he can actually contort his body to push it back into the correct position to land. <laughs> and, and maybe that's bias because I've heard so much about what he's been doing for the last 10 years. And every workout he's been doing is learn how to fall, learn how to be flexible so that you prevent these injuries learn how to you know fall in the right angles and move in the right spot to prevent this and then i see him do like oh yeah like all right he can actually position his body anywhere really and very rarely that you get an injury from being too skinny because someone you know puts their shoulder down and you know charges into your shin and breaks it like that that's not a likely scenario 
that level of flexibility, I think, is is pretty positive. Um, all right, let's just go back through some more picks. After Zachy Wander was Scoot at 102, Marcus Smart 103, Clarkson at 104, Simmons 105, hmm. Nurkic mm. 106, interesting. Bruce Brown 107, Trey Jones 108, <laughs> Mitchie Robinson 109, Valanciunas 110, Melton mm. 111, Jaden McDaniels 112. The Nurkic one, I want to hear your thoughts on this because I'd love for you to tell me, maybe you know this, who is the backup center in Portland currently? Let's see. Oh, hold on a minute. Uh, they rotated through. Eubanks went somewhere else. Uh, who did they bring in behind him now? Mm, that's a really good question. Is there one? There is. He is a former 2020 legend. And his name is Moses Brown. Oh, Moses yeah, it's going to last very long. Yeah, and then the other one is Ibu Baji. So, while Nurkic... So, basically, they don't. The, the answer is basically they don't have So, a yeah, like, okay, Nurkic, is he worth the contract? Probably not. Would they love to have a different center there? Sure. But they don't. And trading him away, they're not. no one's going to want him. So, to get off him, I'll say this always as well, they have to give up assets to give up Nurkic. And why would they do that when they're going to be bad? I think he's going to be there in the... Unless if they had like if, if Scoot was a center, I'd say, well, Nurkic just cooked. There's just no way. But they don't. They don't have anyone to take those minutes. Mm. I just took yeah, Sadiq that... Bay at 116. And I feel pretty disgusting about it. But I, I did. I did <laughs> need to get a small forward, and I do think he's going to play a decent role. I had no intention. Uh, no, I'm not going to do it. I thought I might go D'Lo just because he just keeps falling, but I don't like it. So I'll go Gary Trent. Uh, I don't. I don't have confidence that uh, Dennis Schroeder is just going to soak up all that Freddie Van Vliet was doing and um, whatever clears out there is probably a little more for Trent. But he was quite bad at the end of last year. So yeah, there is a, he was a very real chance that he that he sort of poops his pants this season. But again, you know, regime change and all that stuff. We'll see if that helps him. And when he can get in there and shoot, he's been kind of decent. And if Toronto goes into any kind of uh, sell mode, if he doesn't get sold, he could be an interesting winner in that case as well. So I figured that was a reasonable uh, shot to take a chance on it. He's currently an expiring contract, Trent. As soon as he picked up that player option, there was a report from Chris Hay and said, hey, they're working on a long-term extension. That was three months ago and absolutely nothing's happened. So I don't, and of course they drafted um, Grady Dick, who's ostensibly going to play the same position. I think Trent is horribly overrated as a player. I think a lot of his value came from, Nick Nurse's scheme telling him or telling them just please just go for every on-ball steal possible. And I'm not sure that Darko's going to do the same thing. He might. And then, as you said, once Pirtle came across, they moved him to the bench and he was he was shithouse. He couldn't do a thing yeah. in that role. Ooh, ooh, Asar Thompson goes at 123. That is interesting. So let's just go through these picks as you get ready for yours. So I went Bay at 116, hate it. Trent at 117, Aaron Gordon 118, Shaden Sharp 119, Barrett 120, Calden 121. Ooh, there's some Roto un unfriendly players. Uh, Brogdon 122. Asar, 123. Jackson McIntyre says, Asar's path to minutes is easy. It's not that easy. It's not that easy. He has to get... They have to give up on the Isaiah Stewart at the four experiment. And I'm, I don't know how, easily, how quickly they do that. We'll see. Because he's not getting any minutes at guard when there's Monte Morris, Jaden Ivey, Kate Cunningham. They drafted Marcus Sasa. And I'm not sure how much he's playing there. Oh, D'Lo at 124. Dan, I know you're a big... I had to. As a, as a Laker to. fan, you're a big D'Lo guy. I know that. Um, <laughs> I... Oh, do I do this now? I, yes. I, I don't know. I, While you're mm, thinking, I need to defend myself mm, on the D-Lo thing. I, I went into this draft with zero, zero intention of ending up with D'Angelo Russell. Um, and he'd been going near 90 in a lot of drafts. But this is 35 slots deeper than that. And LeBron is not going to play every damn ball game. And AD's not going to play every damn ball game. I don't care what rules the league tries to put into effect here. Um I had to take a shot. This again, I'm, I'm going to chase somebody who could fall into, you know, two-digit value. That's what we're looking here. Anything 99 or higher, yep. and D'Angelo has a chance to get there. I agree. That's the end. Uh, that is 100% true. He can do that. That's what we're all looking for at this point. We're looking for... Okay, well, the guy that when we look at the Yahoo draft board that you'll see... Trey Murphy's at number one. We know that he's injured. Um, Westbrook's two. Herb Jones is three. Do you think that Herb Jones is a double-digit upside player? Mm, like, I mean, with hair splitting, I could get him to like in the 90s. <laughs> so not really, I guess. Yeah, but no, I, I don't uh, think he is either. Because again, people go, well, Trey Murphy's gone. I go, yeah, that's cool. But Zion and Ingram were gone last season. And how'd that work for old Herb? Like, didn't yeah. really bump him significantly. He's, he's year three. He's a very good defender. 
he's not an exciting upside fantasy player. If he got back to me at a hundred and what's my next pick? 141 in a head to head league. I would probably take Herb because that's the spot where you're like, all right, my, what is that? My 12th guy. I want him out there playing games and racking up stuff. And he's not going to, you know, be a terrible floor player, but for Roto, there's no reason in that. He's he's a steel specialist, and if you want to drop him into your lineup later in the year, he's probably going to be on and off of rosters anyway. So mm. that's that I think is the path you can take on that one. I reacted because Paul Reed won, went at 128, and I he is I don't know how much you've seen me talking about it. Damn, I see it. You I'm, enjoy him. I'm very interested in what he's going to do because. Nick Nurse has been claiming he wants to mold him into a Pascal Siakam role. He's not Pascal Siakam, but if he is playing any minutes at the four, and he is going to, and he hasn't in the past, if he plays any minutes next to Joel Embiid, he gets those 14 minutes or so behind Embiid. What if he gets What if he gets 20 minutes behind Tucker? Because Tucker's not playing 30. George Yang's not there to get those minutes. Jalen McDaniel's not there to get those minutes. What if What if Tucker also gets traded? What if Reed starts? Uh, his upside is... That's what we talk about, chasing upside. If it doesn't work out and he plays 16 minutes a night, you know where he goes? On the waiver wire, immediately. Yep. But if he does get those minutes and we get preseason and he starts next to Embiid or he plays every backup center and power forward minute, gets 25 a night, then holy shit, like that, we talk double digits. Like That's what Reed does. And I'm very interested to see what happens. He's, and like I said, round 11 is round 13. They're the same shit. Like as soon as, if, as soon as it hits into round 11, and I should have probably taken him ahead of Schroeder, just do it. If you think a guy's got upside to hit 80, 70, do it. Don't wait till round 13. Just pick him. Yeah, we're in, we're in bleep it part of the draft yeah. now. It, Screw it. It doesn't Take matter. whatever you want. Doesn't matter. Catch lightning in a bottle or don't. Cast him into the ocean two weeks into the season. I don't care. I want to, yeah, I want to do some work on this. I know it happens in football a lot. Like, what is the what is the chances of guys at each pick, you know, being better than that value or being just droppable? Like, how do we look at these guys? Like, how when do we start pivoting to like, hey, fifty percent of the time the pick at number nine he doesn't work out, so just go for it, man. Who cares? Hit the upside. Yeah, don't worry about it. Like, if you're gonna have a forty percent bust rate, we go higher. Like we that just, would be a really cool thing. I like that. That's a, That sounds like a really fun project. So, Somebody who has a ton of time. So for, Please, for example, right? So Kevin Herter went at 130. I think he's got absolutely no upside. You draft him for your bench. When, what are you going to do? Like you replace some of your guys and they get injured. Sure. Like Bobby Porter's at 131. He helps when guys are injured. There's a little bit of upside in him there. Bogdanovich, very little upside in a roto format with those other players back. Um, KCP, 134. Has he got a chance to be a consistent top 80 guy? Almost definitely not. But Tari Eason goes at 135, and if something breaks, maybe it gets there. But also, it might not. Like, he's more likely to be 180th than KCP is. But, you know, who, what does that matter? Is KCP ever going to be good enough to be a regular starter on a 12-team roto team? Eh, probably not, yeah? Yeah, he's he's going to teeter right on the edge there. And he'll have those those hot weeks where you can kind of... You know, if you if you rode the hot streaks, he's one of those guys you can kind of see when he's getting into those grooves. But is that a guy that you really need to have on your roster the entire season? Eh, I guess I could make an argument for it. And yeah. I see you got Trey Murphy. Yeah, he shot a hundred. Like, he shot hundred. He shot like forty six percent from three for the first four months of last season, I think. And then it was like thirty three after that. If he's a thirty three percent three point shooter, he's absolutely useless to your team. Like he's not doing anything. If he's shooting forty six, then he is. But how do you rely upon that? Like, how do you know that that's going to happen? Like, I Trey Murphy's going to miss time, but I got about one forty. Like, I've got a, I, I, I think he can be a top one hundred guy. And also, it doesn't matter with my second last pick. It's totally okay for me to take him there and sit on him, because all right, here's a real screw it mode pick for you. Ooh, okay, all right. I I don't think Obi Toppin's a very good player, but I also think he's going to start and he's in a perfect situation. How is that how yeah. you view? Is that how you view that? Yeah, kind of. And they have a lot of options for that power forward spot. So this could do that, do much that, like, uh, I, well, yeah, it depends on who you, <laughs> do we want to call them power forwards? Jaylen, they have a lot of guys. Jalen Smith's not, like he won't play there. Neesmith yeah. played there last season. He he won't do that. I think they've got two, it's Toppin and Walker, but Benedict Mathurin played only 28 minutes a night last season as a six pick and came off the bench all season. And I think Jarris might be in for the same sort of treatment. I think. Yeah, but I, I guess my fear is that we go into this one and say, oh, well, like, at least I felt last year, like Isaiah Jackson and Jalen Smith were shoo-ins to get minutes, and that lasted for like 10 days, and they started playing shooting guards at power forward. And yeah, they did. You know, and hell and we, and we hell can officially take over. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I feel like this is a guy that they acquired. He's going to get sort of a crack at it, and if he screws it up, 
BFD. He was my hmm. 12th round pick. I cast him into the ocean. But if it lands, terrific. He Again, I'm chasing the whatever it is 10% chance that this thing actually hits. And if it doesn't, I don't care. All right, so we're getting towards Elard's pick. Who's in your queue? I'll tell you who's in mine. It's Amen Thompson, it's Patrick Williams, and it's Christian Wood at the moment for my last pick here. Yeah, he's <laughs> well, he ain't getting to you. Okay, there you go. Oh, wait. Yeah. Uh, oh, I can switch it if you'd like. No, so that's all right. You can see the uh, extremely old dude that's also in my queue. You can uh, you can t- take Who, Who's in your queue then? You're taking. It's actually just Christian Wood, and I put Gordon Hayward in there. Who uh, I, I don't mind that. Dogged. I don't mind that. I dogged him so hard last year because yeah. he looked so slow and out of shape, and I just clowned on him all season on the podcast, and he never got his legs under him. But who the hell knows? Maybe he went to whatever the basketball equivalent of driveline is for baseball, and he got his game back. I doubt it. He's probably going to be slow and weird again, and he'll get lapped by younger dudes, but he's in my queue for the whole, like, well, if it hits, he's a guy that's been 50, 60, 70. Oh, oh there you oh. go. No, now I got to take Gordon Hayward. I didn't want that. Maybe I'll do something else weird. Let me scan the board. I didn't think I was going to have to go deeper down, but now I will. There, there are some options weird. available here still. Like you, can, you can take Harrison Barnes. I can take Harrison Barnes after we spoke so highly of maybe, him earlier in the program. Maybe you can take Dylan Brooks. Oh, you guys, you know how much I love Dylan Brooks <laughs> shenanigans. <laughs> go on, do it. Let's go. Let's really um, fire it up. Right, what are you Mr. Do? Irrelevant. You know what? Screw it. I, I've been talking about Gordon Hayward, so I'll just do it because now I panic pick somebody weird. Am Not I, everybody. He's bad. My Gordon last Hayward. two. My last two picks are Amen Thompson and Patrick Williams. Patrick was probably going to start. I'm also not convinced he's good. Amen's not going to start, but I think he's also going to absorb a ton of minutes from someone who may or may not be in jail by the time the season starts. So let's take Amen Thompson again. This is what I'm doing. If Amen Thompson plays 20 minutes a night and shoots 40 from the field and 60 from the line, then I'll just say, see you later, and I'll go get somebody else. But he's on my team now. It means no one else can get him if he pops off. He might not. He might. But also, Dan, in Roto Leagues, as a general, your bench is is an extended IR sort of position too. So if if I have to wait three weeks to see how it pans out, I, I, I can. Like, I don't. I actually don't have to keep up with pace of games played for those first few weeks. If I've got a couple of injuries, I can actually let it slide and then figure it out later on. Yeah, I actually typically in Roto Leagues, unless I am like beyond confident, I'm typically starting nine guys at the beginning or really anyone that I feel basically, I feel almost guaranteed is going to get me top 80 per game production or better right at the beginning of the season. I don't mind at all falling whatever it is, a handful of games behind. You have to be a bit careful because if you get beset by injuries at some point and then you're forced to fall farther behind, that's troublesome. But most Roto Leagues don't have a moves limit. So later in the year, once you hit silly season, there are there are Roto Leagues where I made four moves a day for like the last 15 days of the season because most of my guys were resting or taking half the games off. And there were these weirdos on the wire that were putting up top 60, top 70 stuff every night. And I could rotate four of them in every single day and catch up in games played at that point. Or... Maybe you attack a particular category. I figure I can monologue about strategy here since the draft is over. Uh, strategy is a nice way to do it here. If you're attacking a category late in the year, you can stream guards that are good at rebounding or you know centers who are good at, good at hitting three-pointers. Those are the kind of things that you allow yourself some wiggle room on if you do fall behind as in games played, as opposed to blowing your games cap on someone who's posting you know top 130 value that doesn't help you very much. By the way, another guy that I forgot to scroll down and throw into my queue, uh, Delon Wright. I am kind of interested in what he does this year. I thought he was pretty good in his backup role last season. Um, and there is a way that he maybe is one of those lightning in a bottle type, slightly older dudes. But that only fits if the Wizards are kind of semi-winning a few games. But again, who cares if it doesn't work? He's you know going at 155 here. Okay, that, I'm done talking. That Sorry is, about that, that. That is true. Um, the thing with D-Line I'd worry about is there, again, like both him and Tyus can't really succeed at the same time. I don't think yeah. when Poole is there and they probably want to see if Johnny Davis can do something, he can't, but maybe they want to see that part of it as well. In terms of that strategy, the way that I approach a Roto League is at first I, I don't, I'm not rushing to fill my spots, right? So I'll go behind pretty pretty comfortably early on. But then through the middle of the season when my guys are rolling, I'll push ahead of schedule usually. And I try to avoid the, I'm scrambling to grab Jonathan Williams at the end of the season to stream him in. So I'll, I will go, like last season, I think three or four days 
before the end of the season, I hit my maxes. Maybe maybe a week before I hit my maxes. I ended up finishing second in that league, which, is, which was annoying. But I was able to get the majority of good games out of my good players through the middle of the season. I went low early, pushed through higher uh, in the middle of the year. And then maxed out through two, three days or you know, a week or so before the end of the season or around that area. Because once I just sort of knew where guys were and their roles and I was comfortable with guys, then I could um, have more confidence in starting them through the, the middle part of the season, which tends to be a little bit more stable in the beginning and the end, Dan. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, absolutely. Makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, you're, if your team is healthy in the mid part of the year, that's a great time to be able to roll those guys out there. A lot of times I end up with guys that are banged up in the middle of the year. So then I am doing a little bit of that late season scramble. Um, and that's, I, I guess I don't mind it as much. Uh, and one, one of the thing you mentioned that I thought was really good. Don't try to hit your games cap limit on the very last day of the season. It's a good oh, way no. to end up missing it by a couple of games. And that could be the difference in third or second, second or first, you know, you get those extra two games. Maybe you miss out on three block shots and that would have won you the Roto League. So I, I try to end with a day or two left, not not a full week, because I want to make sure I'm using my games on the categories that I really want to attack. But you'll always see someone that fails to hit the limit that yeah. would have been better in the league and had they got there. The other, and that's the other little thing, Dan, is in your utility slots, right? You got two of them or three of them. Right, you can go over. So you got eighty-two games. Like utility gets pushed together. Right, let's just say it's two utility spots. So it's one hundred and sixty-four games for utility you can use during the year. If you hit one hundred and sixty-three of them, well, you can play two guys in utility the next day and get one hundred and sixty-five games out of that slot. And it's even better if you've got three utility slots, which is eighty-two, two fifty. Yeah, why hasn't Yahoo that? Two forty-six or whatever it is. You go to two forty-five and then you hit two forty-eight. You get two extra games on top of it. So that be be. At the end of the season, be really deliberate about getting yourself on those. If and, and also, if your league is one of those leagues, Dan, which a lot of leagues will switch to, where instead of doing point guard, shooting guard, guard, it does just three guards. Yahoo will push them all together, so it'll be two hundred and what's my math? Two hundred and forty-six for guard in general. Hit two forty-five, and then do three the next day and go over. Get get those extra games in. That is a strategy. That is how that's how it works. Yeah. It's it's crummy. I wish Yahoo would have fixed that crap by now, but they haven't. I, I, one of the leagues that I'm a uh, commissioner on on Yahoo, I have now warned all the people that if they do that, I'm going to personally remove the player that played later in the day on the last day of the season. So I, because I don't, I want to try to get it on the number. But like, if you're in a Yahoo, whatever they call the pro leagues now, Yahoo public or public cash leagues yeah. or something, it's some uh, prize leagues. I don't know what it is. Yeah, public pride. Right, you're right. Um, that one, you don't know any of those people. Push over by a game wherever you can. Absolutely, I, I use what you have at your disposal. I don't have a problem with with that. Like, I know that rule is there. Like, I don't. I'm not going to be like, oh, you've got you've got to uh, set it, and we're going to man, like, manually change the thing. It's whatever. The there's one extra game. If you're not smart enough to take advantage of it, you lose out. I, I think like that's it's there. Like <laughs> you, you've got to be. It's when we always talk about Dan. Like know your rules. Like you got to know them, and you got to know how to take advantage of them. Just quickly before we go, because I know you've got stuff to do. Run us through your team. <laughs> So run us how you picked it four, I picked it five. Run us through your squad. Tell us, is there a pick when you go through them that you didn't like or that you really liked as you go through that? Oh, well, I can already tell you the Terry Rozier pick was the one that I was full on panic uh, pick there. I, I didn't set my cue. I was yammering about God knows what at that point during the show. Uh, and then I looked at the board and I saw a name near the top of the board. It happens to the best of us. Mm, uh, during a real draft, I would probably not be yelling on air, but who knows? I've done dumber things in my life. Um, so that one I'm not super thrilled about. I mean, he maybe he beats it, but it's not one that I'm really all that excited about. Um, looking back at the order of things, I actually I, I liked the beginning of my draft. Bridges and, and Halliburton are guys that I expect to play in a lot of ball games this year. So that allowed me to take a guy like Jimmy Butler in the next round, who's a big per-game upside guy. Um, Drew Holiday, again, a little bit safe, but another dude who was going later than I expected. I, and that happened to me a few times where, you know, I, I didn't expect Clay Thompson to be there at 100. I, like, again, not a guy I was targeting. D'Angelo Russell in the 120-some-odd range. If you had just showed me the list of players on my team right now, I'd be like, oh, I don't know about that. But where I got them makes me feel much better about the team that I just built. 
There are some holes, uh, the big one being rebounding. Nick Claxton's the only guy on my team that I can actually count on to get some boards. Maybe I get lucky with Obi Toppin. Um, maybe I soft punt it, or maybe I trade someone and, and try to show up that category later on. But um, a lot of really good strengths on this club. One glaring, glaring weakness. Uh, but overall, I feel pretty good about it. I think I got a lot of value picks. Yeah, on my projections, you're... You've got a one for rebounds, which you know, but you still, you, <laughs> you're still but, you, but your team projects still really well because you've got high threes, high assists, high steals, high free throws, good turnovers. But your big man and your points are low. Whereas my team, yeah, I, I grabbed that Walker Kessler and I'm pretty high in that area. And I've got solid turnovers, okay, free throws, high, okay, field goals. But my threes are pretty low, my scoring's pretty low, um, and my assists are pretty low, which I would have loved to have gotten more of. But yeah, that that does put you in, in a little bit of a hole. So you went. I went Shea, Kawhi, Van Vliet, Kessler. Again, wouldn't recommend it. I wanted to illustrate something. Beal, Randall, Fultz, Okongwu, Zach Collins, Sadiq Bay. That's gross. Dennis Schroeder, a little bit gross as well. Trey Murphy <laughs> and Amen Thompson, which are just look, Darth throws those last four, really. We'll see, what ha- we'll see what happens. We move on and we go from there. Dan, that will bring us to the end of the show. Tell us what you've got cooking uh, over on your podcast at the moment and where people can uh, find your work. Just shouting into the void, Josh. You know how it goes. At Dan Vespers on Twitter, Fantasy NBA Today is the podcast. Trying to do more stuff on YouTube, but my tech is extraordinarily low, as evidenced by this very old draft board <laughs> that still sits behind us, which, Josh, you're on this one right uh, here. I, I, I remember doing that draft, yeah. I can pull it like far enough down so that people can see your name up there. I don't know. That was uh, COVID year where we were all uh, separated, and and so I... We- <laughs> Somebody I think, that, I think that, that's that's my team with Lamarcus Aldridge on it, isn't it? Which is pretty gross. And Whiteside yeah, late in the draft. Yeah, there we go. I'm, I'm like tra- doing a bad job of moving my yeah, finger around in a reverse yeah, direction. Curry, Paul George, you know? Gobert, Westbrook, Aldridge. Yeah, that hey, is look. that is a long time ago. You got Markel in the draft we just did, and you there got you Markel go. on this one. There you go. Look at Russ up there. That's Oof, a, that's yuck. A play. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> was I, COVID. I that was when he was playing for Houston, wasn't it? Or was that when he was traded to Washington? I can't remember. I think it might have been Washington. I think it might have been Washington. Well, that was because well, that was, was actually 2020. We did this, so this is after. Yeah, so he, so he played for the, he played for the Rockets in the bubble and then was traded to the Wizards. So that was that's Wizards Russ then. He actually was not bad he that wasn't, year. He wasn't. He was all right at that yeah. spot. <laughs> See, so you were fine. Yeah. is ultimately what's going on. But I mean, people know I do way too much crap on social media and. Hopefully people will listen to me yell into the void and just a big fat thank you for having me on to try to preach the beauty of Roto, which the last thing I'll say is it eliminates a lot of the randomness of the end of head-to-head league. So if you've had a league obliterated by a very durable player missing two games on the wrong week, Roto is kind of sterile, like a, like a doctor's office waiting room version of fantasy basketball. But if, if you have a bunch of money on the line, I see no problem with hanging out in a doctor's office waiting room. So I, I love Roto. It's a lot of math, and it's very fair. Um, and we can keep tweaking head-to-head to try to make it more fair, but Roto's kind of already there. So that's why I love it. Dan, thank you for jumping on, doing this mock draft with me, and uh, I'm sure you'll see me on your show coming up pretty soon. Yes, sir. We're going to be talking head-to-head stuff when Josh comes over on Fantasy NBA today. we got to get all the different types here. I look forward to it, Dan. Thank you once again. Thank you, Josh. And that will do it for me today. That was a Roto mock draft. Plenty of head-to-head things to get out of it. Plenty of Roto things, plenty of play evaluation, strategy talk. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Remember, Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl invites. You'll start getting applications on the weekend. If you are a Basketball Monster member, there is a forum thread to get you some priority access in there. Get into it. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.